to 600 Pixels, a podcast that goes below the fold of the World Wide Web to see how professionals in the industry design and build better digital experiences for everyone. I'm Caitlin Studley, Director of Culture at LifeBlue. And my name is Travis Self, front-end developer here at LifeBlue. Today we sit down with Liz Farmer. She is our marketing and content coordinator here at LifeBlue. And she joins us to talk about everything from journalism in the digital age under her time at the Dallas Morning News to content, branding, and the age of the digital influencers. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Liz. Thanks. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Uh, For anyone listening, Liz currently works with us here at LifeBlue. She's our marketing and content coordinator. She is fantastic. She's the reason why we get so many compliments on our social media presence. Um, So we thought it would be nice to have her on the podcast and get her perspective on digital storytelling, since that is an important element of not only what we do here, but uh, really shapes technology and and the way we use it and the future of it. So we thought we'd bring her on to talk a little bit about her background and hopefully enlighten us and maybe talk about some trends. Glad to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Why don't we start, uh, for any of our listeners who maybe are not familiar with you and your background, talk to us a little bit about uh, how you got to where you are today. Sure. Um, So I'm born and raised Austin, Texas. Uh, Went to journalism school at UT. And then I got a postgrad internship at the Dallas Morning News. Um, And from there, uh, I guess that's really where I was doing community news and breaking news. my last role there was as a breaking news producer. It was a new role where there was a lot of aggregation and the point was to bring in essentially as many views as possible to the website. Um, And that was a lot of fun, really interesting. So it was sort of looking for new ways of telling stories, new stories that maybe we hadn't told before in terms of like um, breaking news around Texas, not just the DFW area Um, and I was able to bring in millions of additional page views that we hadn't had before. So it was fun to be part of that. Um, Then I got the opportunity to join um, a local CEO's team. Her name's Nita Vaca. Um, She started an IT staffing firm here uh, called Pinnacle Group. And they're one of the fastest growing companies uh, in the country. She was appointed by President um, Obama as a presidential ambassador for global entrepreneurship um, and has really traveled the world empowering women and entrepreneurs, students, all these people, um, showing them that they can essentially follow her lead. Um, She was an immigrant um, from Ecuador, one of the few Latinas to serve on corporate boards and has really paved the way for a lot of people. So I was on her team uh, as a brand journalist. So sort of telling her story, finding different ways to tell it, whether it was through social media, getting her on certain panels, getting her placement in um, in publications and things like that. And then I got the opportunity to join Life Blue. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, I think, you know, we'll probably want to, I guess, start with talking a little bit about uh your perspective on digital storytelling, since that's a part of what you do here, right? So it's not just, you're not just managing our social media, you are also working with some of our clients and the content that's on their website. So I'd be curious to know kind of your perspective and maybe talk a little bit about kind of your role and maybe what you do. 
Sure. So like you said, some of this has been telling life blue story. Um, so that entails doing blog posts, giving insight into the work that we do, the great people um, who are building websites, including I'd say one of the bigger pushes that I've been a part of is um, coverage of our Boston's Pizza website, um, one of the most accessible websites in the restaurant industry, which is currently where um, I guess the discussion on accessibility is really taking place. So that was um, highlighting that work um, and the specifics of it and what went into it through the blog post. We also did a video that I helped oversee that, as you know, uh, because you also helped me <laughs> with that. Um, and Travis was a part of that I was, video. I was a star. I mean, truly, <laughs> I, I tell people Travis that. Yeah. Was a star. <laughs> We're all shamelessly self-promoting. Yes, <laughs> I'm like, this is our on-air talent. We're very thankful for people who do that. I know, uh, I'm not used to being interviewed like uh, in this current situation. <laughs> so uh, I'm being the one doing the interviewing. Yes, I appreciate that. And I the tables have turned. Yes, the tables have turned. And I uh, appreciate when people are willing to like go on camera and, and help tell the story because I think it is important for people to hear directly from those who are actually building the technology itself. Um, so that's one aspect of the job. Another part is helping our clients tell their own stories. And that so far has been a range. I joined a few months ago and it's been everything from helping to shape content, um, maybe edit it down some, make sure that we're meeting the right tone for a website to currently right now I'm helping um, to actually just write content from scratch after interviewing key people in a company. You're talking about for the the background with um, Dallas Morning News and uh, that consulting group that you're part of, how much was social media a part of like boosting those page views and stuff for Dallas Morning News? Yeah, that's a great question. I found it to be an important piece of it, but not everything. So I have my own... Twitter presence, which is particularly important if you are a journalist or in the media world. Um, although sometimes I will say it feels like it's an echo chamber for that exact group. But uh, I would find myself, you know, interacting with a number of people um, who are interested in those stories. Uh, and especially, you know, seeing that go out from like the Dallas Morning News main channels, which I work closely I worked closely with those people and and friends with them and it was sort of like a working in tandem so it's like here's what I can give you now especially in breaking news situations it's like hey I was able to post three sentences on this now the most important thing is to get that pushed out on say Twitter especially um, and so I do think especially in that breaking news producer role that was a key element of it was getting out as quickly as possible while also making sure that you were being accurate, which is a constant fine tuning and a balancing process that I did really enjoy. Uh, so yeah, a lot of it came to just continually rethinking like, how do I need to approach this? And in that situation, it was, let me get something up on the website. Let me then push it out as many ways as I can and continue the reporting process and building that story out as I saw fit. What are some of the challenges that came with that? Because obviously 
there are a couple of through lines from what you were doing at DMN to working with Nina to being here. One of them that's undeniable is we live in a world now where the average attention span is so short. So I imagine it's been different as you've worked in different places, but how have you maybe even evolved over time in, in those different roles to kind of overcome or even just navigate that? Like, you know, breaking news is so challenging because you're trying to travel at the speed of light to get information and verify and make sure it's accurate. No fake news. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also on the spot, you have to come up with something incredibly captivating that also isn't super clickbaity to try and grab someone's attention. I'm just really interested in your perspective and kind of your experience with that because that sounds incredibly challenging. So one thing that comes to mind is a conversation that I had a lot with people when I was in that role, which is my job was set up to get out get out the breaking news as quickly and as factually as possible and get as many views as possible to be frank about it. Yeah. Um, and so I did that. Yeah. But some of my best friends were covering more enterprise beats, were covering, say, cops, courts, things like that, things that really take, should take more time. And I always wanted to start out discussions by saying, this is my job, whereas like you shouldn't be held to that same expectation of having a million views. Instead, the metric should be something more like if you can hold people on a page longer. A lot of my metrics for that were just a few seconds, in part because a lot of the posts were very short because it was these little pieces of information that people needed to go about their day and things like that, maybe a safety brief and um, essentially like an area to avoid perhaps, Um, understanding maybe what that noise was last night that you heard in your neighborhood, things like that. But for some of my friends where it's like they needed to build uh, trust with sources to tell some very harrowing, important stories that take a while to report out, I was like, I want you to know that that shouldn't be the expectation for you it should be are you engaging people in an in-depth way Mm -hmm. so that we can keep that conversation going and i viewed my job at that time as a way to support them in doing theirs yeah yeah that's interesting so in looking at storytelling i guess more broadly across something like a website right Uh, having a brand presence captivating people to either donate money to a cause or buy a thing or visit a place. What do you think some of the challenges are more generally, not in the context of breaking news, but trying to stand out and be compelling as a brand and tell that story? I mean, some of the same challenges still apply, right? The attention span, the information hierarchy, like what are your thoughts kind of on maybe what some of those challenges are that exist today in in some of the work that you're doing when you're trying to tell a story digitally? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with the attention span. I mean, we're, we can all feel it (laughs) in every moment of our lives. I know, (laughs) even when say I'm trying to write and I'm, uh, you know, want to pick up my phone and scroll through something. Um, Instagram, don't lie. uh, Truly. (laughs) (laughs) Instagram, um, like cheese profiles. (laughs) I do follow those. (laughs) (laughs) That's a joke that nobody understands because we didn't. We didn't tell our listeners that you like to eat cheese. Liz's uh, 
the last sentence of her bio says liz loves traveling eating cheese and unfortunately endlessly scrolling through instagram so we hit two out of the three on there so all true things um yes so going back to the attention thing uh especially when we're talking about companies they are looking at a landscape that is so noisy and they have to cut through that but i do think uh, for most places a more curated experience is necessary so in terms of a website say you know typically we we always talk about how someone will look at it probably for just a few seconds so in client discussions we're asking we're asking point blank if a user sees this for five seconds what do you want them to take away what is the one thing you would want them to take away and go from there obviously um hopefully listeners would know from listening to the other podcasts that we go very in depth with our research and how we build things out the strategies themselves but we also want to make sure that for those users that are just doing a quick skim that we're capturing their attention enough to uh have them either make a donation purchase something things like that so do you think you said it's like five seconds right to get their attention something like that is it typically the image that's going to get their attention more so than copy like if you're scrolling through instagram or something like that you have to start with the image and then kind of i mean i think it's important to consider both and i think that we are doing that here at life blue which is something i appreciate but i would say the image is so important just because that's how our brains process things Mm -hmm. so yeah most people are gonna latch on to an image but then our hope is that um what we maybe either can't convey in the image or want to um, supplement with words or maybe dig a little bit deeper can be conveyed through quick writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which that might be a good segue. We were also talking about living in the age of the influencer and how that's shifting the way things are marketed and uh, targeted at us. You know, everything kind of ties into digital marketing, whether we want it to or not. That's sort of the lens that everything that gets put online now is filtered through, right? It's like all of our devices are listening to us or so we think and stalking us on the internet and our networks and all these crazy things. So that if you look at an Airbnb on our Wi-Fi, then it's going to pop up on my Instagram and be like, you should check out this Airbnb because your friend Liz did. It's terrifying. It's creepy. Uh, And we try to be uh, a lot of our conversations and discussions, like our CEO just spoke on a panel with Site Improve last week uh, and talked about this, right? How do you personalize to consumers and customers without creeping them out and scaring them away, but giving them the experience they expect, um, but not being like, hi, I'm in your backyard looking <laughs> yes. through your windows. Um, but now we live in the age of the influencer. So I'm curious to know kind of your thoughts and perspective on how that's shaping the work that you're doing, right? Like we're not necessarily uh, going out and finding influencers for our clients, but it's still, whether we want it to or not, those trends have an effect on the work that we're doing every day. And we kind of have to look look at those things that exist and see how they're interacting with our businesses. So I'm kind of curious on your perspective. Um, are you an influencer, Liz? No. Uh, do I scroll How does one through? qualify to be in? Like what's the number? Mm, I would say five thousand is where you get a little oh, bit more cred 5, but followers. frankly you could micro have influencing micro influencing is a thing yes so you could be micro. making money now potentially i will say i know some people who work with influencers 
and I don't know that I want to live that life. What's yeah, that team? There's a famous me. team, Team Tenton or something like that. Anyway, it's essentially about uh, it's a team that molds influencers. Oh, and stuff oh like that. molds influencers. Yeah, Tell they they work with influencers to you know make them more influencing. Make them yeah more influencing, I guess. But yeah, more influential. It. it uh, they're famous for like just working around the clock because that's right. pretty much what you have to do, you know. Yeah, it's only ten people, so it's not for me. Yeah, no, I don't want to be an influencer. It is interesting though because I had a discussion with someone who's working at one of these companies one time, and she was like, "Yeah, a lot of people view it, especially, you know, there's a lot of young women who are who are doing this, who are pursuing this," and she was like, "Some people kind of hate on that." And she was like, but at the same time, a lot of them are like employing like their boyfriends or husbands as the photographers, like they're running their own small business. And some of them have reached a level where they're like making quite a bit of money. Yeah, for sure. And I'm like, I I just find it really interesting. Also, I just love scrolling through Instagram. So it's also a personal addiction. Um, (laughs) But I, I find it interesting. And one of the people that I follow is Jenna Kutcher. And she started out as a wedding photographer mm. and has now sort of built this media empire herself. And she's done it through essentially being an influencer. And she has taken an approach of being very transparent, very, um, I guess, like, the be yourself not be like it's it's curated but she's a little bit more um relatable than some other people and one thing that really stuck with me is one time she did a little experiment on her own thread and she would typically she would post photos that were a mix of like herself maybe some wedding shots maybe like a shot of wedding rings or some or trees Mm -hmm. or something like that and she was she had this theory that people liked photos of her more which she was very uncomfortable with at the time i hate this so much about marketing (laughs) yeah i hate it so she was like you know what i'm not gonna tell anyone on my small team i'm just gonna start just posting photos of myself she was like i really don't like doing this but i have to see and it turned out that people loved her photos and like we're engaging more with them we're liking them more when it was like of her like of her face like that kind of up close and personal thing and that has always stuck with me because I think about it whenever we're either offering suggestions to people or doing our own and I'm considering what photos to use. And also that comes back to talking about the words because the photos are so important, but also her words, her connecting with people in a certain way is what keeps them coming back. Yeah, it's interesting. And one of the companies that kind of has been pioneering this whole movement is right in our backyard, right? Reward Style is in Dallas. They have set the stage for this type of kind of small business-ism with uh, different uh, kind of influencers in fashion and modeling and things like that. So they are very much rewarded to linking to the actual things that they're promoting um, in an easy way. So they've kind of pioneered that technology. So it's interesting to see how much has changed since they've been in the business and how that has driven. Like um, there's a a couple back in Rhode Island that I became aware of uh, uh, Kyle James Patrick. I think I'm saying that right. 
um, and uh, his wife Sarah Vickers. They she was a, an early adopter of reward style, and that was mm-hmm. how I kind of came to know them. But they are like their social media feed is beautifully crafted and curated and the photos are incredible and i just remember like someone showed it to me and i was like oh my gosh like they basically promote themselves as like the modern day kennedys that's like Mm. who they want to be image wise Mm -hmm. and so it's just fascinating to me they're able to drive so much engagement for their own brand and doing partnerships with you know all these different you know kind of quintessential new england brands and it's it's so so interesting to me um where digital engagement has kind of shifted in the last five years. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, I saw something from, I think, Sprout Social, which is a scheduling tool uh, for social media. And they said, I forget the percentage, but it was talking about how much people trust other people as opposed to the companies themselves. And I've been thinking about that a lot with our own marketing and that's why I feel like it's good for us to do things like blog posts where we're like quoting people directly and have videos where we're actually talking to the people building our websites because that's your testimonials. That's your caption on Instagram type thing um, that these influencers, I think, have kind of tapped into. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like you'll on Instagram, especially like how these influencers influencers like uh, families and stuff, like a whole family could be an influencer mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Just hawking brands, you know, <laughs> just put it one way. But I mean, like, it's just weird, right? I mean, these families could make who knows how much money just posing in pictures with right. certain clothing brands and stuff. I and, almost think what's more interesting, though, are the ones who aren't actually making that much and yet continue to do it i'm so curious about the financials behind it which actually taylor lorenz i don't know if you're familiar with her she's now at the new york times and she reports on technology and has done some in-depth about the behind the scenes of influencer culture and it's just interesting to start to pull that apart because some people win big and then other people are doing the hustle and not necessarily seeing the rewards of it. I guess it would need to be a, a well-known brand for you to make, you know, the big bucks on, but like I'll see just like little boutique shops, like reach out to people mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, DM me and we can talk about working together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Which is interesting. Yeah. To like, small shops are trying to trying to bring influencers oh. onto them because they think it's going to help them for sure which but is I'm, weird. I'm amazed that people who even don't like the micro influencing right people who have i think the definition is less than five thousand followers mm-hmm. technically i have a friend who does that and he got targeted by a travel agency and he got to go on an all expenses paid trip to italy because he had the right amount of followers and they were experimenting mm-hmm. and finding they were actually having better returns on micro-influencer investment than actual influencer right. investment. So is it just because it gets lost in all the other posts or something? I'm not sure, but I guess it, I guess the implication was that there are more meaningful connections with some of these micro-influencers. Like the people who are following them really truly are engaged and re- there's a higher level of trust with them versus... But I, I'm, I guess I'm fascinated because I don't even know and I'm not a digital marketer, so I, I don't know how you measure that level of trust and engagement. It's, it is, and I don't even know that, that the answer to that question exists yet. I think a lot right. of it is still guesswork at this point, no yes. matter how much data we collect, 
we don't know why I trust you on Instagram, Liz, more than I trust Travis because I don't have a Twitter account. So <laughs> Insta. We were hard. talking about Insta. Oh, Insta. I do have Instagram. Yeah. I'm I'm somewhat like with it. What's your Insta handle, Travis? At self pressed. Okay. Clever, right? Private or public? I guess it's public. <laughs> oh my god. I can't stand when people Hashtag. have private accounts. Yeah. Can we just talk about this? Oh my gosh. I'm like, I get it, but here's my thing. I'll be very interested. I'll have gone like like several people deep and then I'm like, who's this person? And I click on it and I'm like, private. The, ra- the rabbit trail ends. I don't want you to find out my secrets, Liz. Okay. I mean, now we're friends. <laughs> and also, I, the only, truly the only reason I made it private was because I kept getting all these weird, spammy, gross people who were trying to follow me and I was like, oh, I'm no. not about this life. I get it <laughs> from like a logical perspective. It's the base human level that i'm like i want to see it's just the level of inconvenience to your life yeah but you can follow me at studley 1728 if you so please there you go yeah do it follow me (laughs) i'll accept your request if you're not a weird spammy porno person porno person (laughs) 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 so do they put that in their name so that you can know it's like Sup, BB girl. I want to follow you, and it's like a half-naked picture of a chick, and I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> BB girl. Yeah, <laughs> that BB girl. Yeah, that's a tell. Yeah. Did you know? Yeah. That's a swipe left or whatever. You know. So, where do you think it's headed, Liz? Do you think every business is going to have oh, an influencer? Yeah, it is a big question. <laughs> Just, I mean, you know, what How are your does thoughts a in terms of get a influencer? Are, you know, are nonprofits going to start having influencers? Do they already have influencers? And I don't even know. I feel like the first place I saw influencers online was more in fashion. Mm-hmm. It has expanded well beyond that. Restaurants have totally mm-hmm. embraced it. There are a lot of different industries and areas where it's expanding. So I'm just curious, what's the next frontier for that? And will there be a leveling out um, or do we think it's just going to kind of continue where we, we all, I mean, all three of us at this table, right? At some point we may have even posted about something online and said, I'm super passionate about this thing, or I love this thing, or you have to buy this thing where we may not be influencers, but we're still leveraging our own, you know, kind of personal brands mm-hmm. to say, I'm endorsing this thing. And we felt passionately enough about it. Like I've, there's probably, if you scroll through my Twitter feed, I'm sure I'm like, I love chocolate. You should buy chocolate or something <laughs> right. stupid like that. But do you know what I mean? Like, I'm curious to know where, what's the future of this? If we can even anticipate it. I don't expect you to have all the answers. Yeah, I was I'm like, just curious on your thoughts. A big question. I guess all I can really say is I, I wonder too, because I get the sense here at this table that we do somewhat feel kind of squeamish about it. And yet, like, I opt into a lot of this. And I have my own feelings about, so I feel very comfortable with some influencers that I feel are quote unquote honest. And there's other ones I still follow that (laughs) I'm like, hmm, I feel like it's so over curated that. I don't know who this person is, so therefore I don't trust them. And yet I'm still following them, still clicking on the links, still it's like sending a train them money. Wreck. You can't watch it. Wait, wait, send them money? Well, oh, 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 as oh. in like by like, clicking on the, the link. The like it to know it kind of thing. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. I was like, wait, what? You, we need to have a conversation <laughs> after this. Don't, <laughs> be, don't be sending them money. sending list. people money. <laughs> She's like, I don't trust them, but I still give them my money. <laughs> I just write them a check once a month and send it to them. Uh, oh my so God. like that's beautiful my my thing with it is maybe i'm just i feel like an old 
old person right now, but old fuddy duddy. <laughs> I would just be like, I, I can tell you're trying to sell me something. And so I don't trust it just outright. Cause it's like, you're clearly being paid to. Mm-hmm. I think to the argument would also brand. be, how is this so different from previous types of advertising? Like a, like a sponsor right. or an endorser. Like a Jenny Craig ad where a celebrity who looks real yeah. good is like, right. I use Jenny Craig. And you're like, well, I trust her. I like her in that movie I saw her in. Right. But still, there's a level of like, well, do you really like... Well, she got paid. And do you really like probably, Casper mattresses or whatever? I think that's where... Every, po- every podcaster is sponsored by right. Ca- oh, I mean, Gosh I mean, now. Uh, Except We would us. love to do that. <laughs> I actually do have a Casper. No. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I have a Lisa, so we're going to have to fight over the sponsorship. I think ultimately it goes back to everything, right? It's it's how your personal image is curated to create a sense of trust. So it is it is challenging. I think it really comes back also to media literacy, which I don't think we talk about enough. Not oh, to sound man. nerdy, but I... Tell us more. Continue to think that everyone in high school should have a media literacy class to fully understand, say, what they're reading in the news, which outlets to trust. And I think the same goes for advertising and marketing. People, I mean, if we learned anything from the 2016 election, it's all age groups that need to be right. Yeah. Well, sure. Learn what's sure. like reputable and stuff. My but thought yeah, is, especially if kids. you graduate from high school, like that should just be ingrained in our society. So I agree. Be inherently suspicious of everything. Truly. Do Including influencers. Do the work. Yeah, I mean, truly, you know, anybody can say something is awesome, but it doesn't mean that it is. So it, it does go back to that question of who do you trust? Why do you trust them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the people that I trust, I've found... It's almost this art and science of, I notice that they don't do, every post is an ad and it feels like they don't pick and choose wisely. Like, no, they seem very thoughtful about it. And there are some others that are a little bit more willy nilly with it. And then say if it's an item I'm not familiar with, then I'll go read the reviews and things like that. So, but again, that stuff takes more time and a lot of people either don't have it or aren't going to do that. So I think that's why it's important that we put out things that are good that we back. Well, this was kind of a a high level glance into it, but I'm sure we'll probably have you back on the podcast, maybe with our colleague, Will Pry to chat a little bit more just about uh, content in the digital space, because there are lots of things to talk about. So we kind of did a a higher level discussion today but uh yeah i think that was a good takeaway just in terms of media li- literacy and educating ourselves and just often trying to be a little suspicious since not everything you read on the internet is true kids <laughs> contrary to popular belief perhaps sadly based on the current state of things based on the comments <laughs> <laughs> don't get me into those don't read the comment section <laughs> never that's our takeaway for today <laughs> never read the comment section um but yeah any final parting thoughts uh from you travis or you liz uh before we wrap it up i don't think so none we we covered it all we did it <laughs> uh covered liz, all for tonight <laughs> where can people find you online if they want to uh stalk your carefully crafted uh follower list on instagram and or twitter 
It's not that carefully curated. But uh, on Twitter, I'm at Liz underscore Farmer. And Instagram, I'm Liz Farmer if you want to see photos of my food or my adorable nephew. Mm. Nice. Those are good reasons to follow you, I feel. Uh, But anyways, no, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking to us about this. We look forward to having you back in the future and continuing the conversation. Appreciate it. Thanks for being on the pod. Bye.